And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. The the Thunder got housed by the heat in Miami. Just absolutely dismantled. And they played the Pelicans tonight. It didn't mm-hmm. go so well the first time they played the Pelicans. And I think some of that is the way that the Pelicans just pack the paint and don't allow anybody to get there. Because the truth is that the Thunder have a really hard time uh, scoring the basketball. And especially if they can't get in the lane. And it's not that they score a ton around the basket. They, they do some. But they use the lane to open things up for their offense because they don't have... They don't really have anybody that can open up their offense on their own. That's something that I think that maybe we took for granted with Russell Westbrook is that he was just an offense unto himself, just getting into the lane no matter who was there. And so I'm really interested to see what adjustments they make tonight uh, with regards to that because last time the Pelicans just packed the paint. There's nothing OKC could do. Yeah, they also have just giant guys with Steve just Adams huge. and Zion. <laughs> and one thing that's becoming clear in the early season is OKC just does not have just a lot of hef in the middle. Just a, Not a lot of girth down there, down low. No. <laughs> we have a no. lot of skinny guys. And we've been yeah, getting Ho- beaten up in the paint. Yeah, Horford is their big guy, and he has his whole career said, I don't want to be a big guy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so that's... That's great. Uh, shout out to Christos from Greece. We got Hoops Talk 69 from Outer Space. Wow. Thanks for joining, everybody. Let us know what uh, what's going on in Outer Space. Uh, so I took a look at the offensive and defensive ratings for the Thunder yesterday. And Alex, it's not good. We're talking If we're talking too good to tank... Should we should we go ahead and bury and retire the phrase "too good to tank"? Uh, no, Andrew. No, <laughs> not give us a few more games. Okay. Let, let let people have this. They have to hold on to their hope a little bit longer. All right. Well, hang on through this road trip, and then we'll bury it. Uh, because the Thunder are last, dead last in offensive rating, thirtieth, ninety nine point two. The Thunder, since they've been in Oklahoma City have never had an offensive rating below 100. Never. And maybe maybe this won't stay below 100, but below 100 is so, so terrible for the modern NBA, for the amount of possessions that they have, for the amount of like three-point shooting, and the Thunder are shooting a ton of threes in comparison. I mean, last season, the worst offense in the league, do you know who it was? Uh, the Wiz? The Warriors had the worst offense. 104.4. 
was the worst offense in the NBA last year. Even the Thunder's first year in OKC, they were a, they had a 100.4 offensive rating. This would be a historically bad offense for the Thunder. And it's funny because you watch them play and you're like, oh, I, I like the way they're moving the ball. Like, this is great. Look at them. They're really fighting guys. They're throwing good passes. They are. And it's still the worst. <laughs> the, the very, very worst offense in the NBA. Yeah, not only that, they're three points behind number 29, which is the Cavs, who are at 102.1. But going back to what you said, though, like, again, we are getting good basketball. Like, mm-hmm. I am watching this team. You watch that first quarter and, and, like, the end of the second quarter when the starters are out there. It is good basketball. And, like, compared to – even compared to what we used to see, like, back in the Russ and KD years, every single guy on the court – is not only a willing passer, but is able to make a quick decision with the ball. And there were multiple times during that Miami game where that ball is just swinging around the court, and it looks great. Didn't yep. always like end in something cool, but like I just haven't seen that from a Thunder team. And so it's still enjoyable to watch. And I do think whatever, like the scary part of you bringing up that they're thirtieth in offense is thinking what it could be if they potentially traded Hill and or Horford. Because looking at the lineup data, these starters are still pretty high quality. Like they, they are now a net negative. They're minus 0.2. But they're one of only five five-man lineups that have played over 100 minutes. And when you look at per-game minutes, they are the most played five-man lineup in the league. They're playing 21.4 minutes per game, which is more than any other five-man lineup. And it's not that much I mean it's barely a negative and that's mostly because of the Miami game like that's a mm-hmm. decent lineup playing a ton of minutes like how bad is that bench and we don't we it's hard to like parse it out because the five man groups from the bench you just aren't haven't played that many minutes together yet but if you trade Hill or Horford like what is possible <laughs> in terms like how far can we drop <laughs> we can drop Pretty far, I believe. It just, and it depends on who they slot. I mean, it really actually doesn't depend. Whoever they're going to slide into that spot, especially when George Hill is traded, is going to hurt them significantly, whether it's Hamidou Diallo or it's likely Justin Jackson who would slide into that spot just because they they think he can shoot. Um, so, yeah, this this team, by design, is going to lose a lot of games. But I I would still argue it's like a sneaky tank team because (laughs) even as currently constructed, it appears that this is a perfectly good team to tank. But that is still not like necessarily the perception around the league. I mean, even in the preseason, there are a lot of people picking them for, you know, 30 wins or whatever it was and talking about how they like still have a lot of really good NBA players on the roster. So I'm kind of enjoying that aspect of it. Like they're not clearly tanking to the rest of the league yet yeah yeah they're not yeah they're they are the team that everybody says there's only one team that's not trying to make the playoffs like they're clear they're always talking about oklahoma city when they say that and people say that always talk more trash on like the pistons and without a doubt without a doubt because i think you can see the future with the thunder as opposed to the pistons or to other teams where you're like 
like is the best young player for the Pistons Killian Hayes because if that's true like it sucks that he got hurt last night and also like he just hasn't been good at all you know it'd be like Teo Maladon being the best young player for the Thunder which honestly looks a little bit better than Killian Hayes has so far I know I've been seeing there's some draft guys who are like were really high on Teo not necessarily saying that he was going to be better than Killian but just putting them on the same level Mm-hmm. And just being really surprised that Teo, the, the gap between them was so big in the draft. Mm-hmm. And it's looking very, uh, very good right now for them. Yeah. I mean, McKelly and I talked about it pre draft that he had talked to somebody that scouts players in Europe that said there's probably a gap between Teo and Killian Hayes, but it should not be 20 spots. It should not even be 10 spots. Right. Uh, and it's you know, and Teo's not like lighting the world on fire, but he looks no, good. Like he look, he looks solid. Yeah, you know, he, he mean, looks like he belongs, even though he is definitely not flashy. No, and he's he. The only thing that's flashy about him is his vision and his passing ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, like he doesn't have really any offensive explosion at all. Uh, he's just. He's just going to be a guy that's going to hit spot-up shots, make good passes. He's going to be able to run the offense. I mean, I think that he's a a long-term backup point guard. Uh, he's, a, I mean, not not too dissimilar from Eric Maynard and what he was able to do here in Oklahoma City. Uh, going back to the uh, lineup data, the starting lineup is attempting more threes than any other five-man lineup in the NBA right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking 18.8 threes per game. Just scrolling down real quick, like the next closest would be that that's played like a decent amount, like some of the Houston lineups, but they're around like 15. Some of the Wizards lineups are around 15. Taking 18 per game and shooting 36%. Like it's not a bad lineup. It's not. They've got, they have three lineups that are shooting more than 10. Wow. All playing together. Which is wild. I mean, if you go back to any Thunder team, last year they had, last year the starting, or no, not starting lineup, Chris Paul, Muscala, Nader, Baisley, Dort took 13. But again, like this is what makes this season so enjoyable for me is like that Miami game, again, watching the first quarter, watching the end of the second quarter, even watching the third, the beginning of the third quarter when they actually made a little run to get back into it. It's been really enjoyable to watch, and then it's almost mm-hmm. like they have their anti-death lineup <laughs> that comes in and just like closes the deal, make sure make sure they're gonna lose. It's called the dead lineup. <laughs> the dead lineup, yeah, I like that. <laughs> we should do a down to dunk shirt for the we dead should, lineup. The dead lineup and put the names of the guys on the back of the shirt. <laughs> I'd wear that. I wear that almost every day. I will. Yeah. Uh, I want you to guess so that. 15-16 Thunder team. The starting lineup for them, Russell Westbrook, Andre Robertson, Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams. How many three-point attempts did they take in their time together on the court? Oh, I, I mean... Per game. I would guess like 12. 5. 5.8. 5.8? <laughs> 5.8. Was Russ not taking a lot at that point, I guess? <laughs> I guess wow. they didn't have it. They didn't have a, a lineup that season that took more than that took more than nine. That was like five years ago. The, the three point revolution was well into swing. Like, 
people were into threes by that point. Yeah, it's it is wild. It is totally wild. Can you guess the the lineup that took the most the Thunder's first year? Uh, so the lineup that did take the most their first year here: Russell Westbrook, Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, Tabo, and Nina Kristich. How many did they take? It can't. I mean, you can't get much lower than five if you're if they're playing a significant amount of minutes. But I I would guess like four point five. Four point two. Jeez, <laughs> isn't that just strange? It's strange just... because of how little they progress during that time. They're yeah, like, they they progressed by one. Yeah, a decade later, one three. One, a decade one. later, the Kevin Durant starting Russ, Kevin Durant Russell Westbrook starting lineup still only taking one three. God, and they were good. Like their their offensive rating was very good at the time. So uh, it's amazing. It's wild. It is wild. Uh, I was wondering. Any- uh, the I was wondering. I was trying to look up the passes because I know. Like mm-hmm. one of the statistical oddities during the Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook era was always that the Thunder were at the like bottom three in passes per game every single year yep. without fail. And I have a feeling this team is probably going to be the most passing Thunder team in hi- their history, just mainly because that's not that hard to do. Can you do you have it pulled up? No, I don't. Guess their rank. Guess where they are in the league. Uh, I'm going to say top five. You're absolutely right. They're number three in the NBA in passes made per game. <laughs> Matches the eye test. <laughs> 314 passes per game. They, they had a few uh, plays against the Heat where they may have made like legitimately 10 passes in a single possession to the point where I'm like getting revved up. Like everyone <laughs> just swinging around. I'm wondering what's going to happen next. And then it would just end with like a Ludor brick three or something. I I remember the possession because it hit Baisley's hands twice where you're like, take it, take the three. And he's like hesitates and shuffles it on. Uh, and then they just find nothing. I mean, they just, that's, and that's the thing with the pass as opposed to like watching the Spurs of like 2014 Spurs where the ball is just like moving from like good shot to great shot. Right. Like the ball is moving because they're like, it's not moving from good shot to great shot. It's moving from no shot to shot. You know, like that's, that's the purpose of the ball movement is like, can we just find a shot? <laughs> like move it. Can we find anything? I mean, that's what, that's what they're doing. That's why they're taking threes. If people are giving them threes, and to the Thunder's credit, and really to Lou Dort's credit, like they're hitting shots. And Lou, I just, I still, I don't know. I don't know what I believe about Lou Dort anymore because he's looked like a different player. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that has stuck out other than his three-point shooting is he's just getting more playmaking opportunities Yeah, um, because there's less playmakers on the court compared to last year. And he's just looked pretty good like I, I don't think he's going to be like he's you don't want him to be your primary or probably even the secondary ball handler but having your third or fourth guy being able to catch the ball dribble drive into the middle of the paint and then do something with it I mean that that interior pass he made to Baisley last night yeah he looked so cool doing it it was so cool it's like <laughs> no look just like shuffled it along like oh man I was 
I was very excited about that. And it's and those it's those things that like keep you so intrigued with this team. Whereas like other tanking teams, I think have been legitimately just wretched to watch. Yeah, like you have those moments where you're just like, whoa, like look at that. And and it's it's exciting because it's multiple guys. Like it's not just the pass. It's then Baisley catching that ball and instead of going straight up, being smart enough to know he needs to go up and under to avoid the defender. Yeah. Which again, like just showing. Baisley's potential feels like it's through the roof simply because he can do so many things on the court. Yeah. Yeah. Baze has been really good. Maybe Baze on the season, 12 points, eight and a half rebounds, one and a half assists, 1.3 blocks per game. And his shooting numbers aren't even that good. Uh, 45% from the field overall, 32% from three. I mean, he's, he's been really, he's been really good. The play that really impressed me most against the heat, was on the break, he's got the ball, and Jimmy Butler is coming to get him, like probably coming to try to strip the ball, and he takes the ball, and he starts to take his first step, and he moves the ball over his head, and then brings it back down, and then dunks it. Yeah. Um, the anticipation on that, and the, just the, the body control that he showed was really impressive. And this is why I brought it up on Twitter. But Andrew, I've been uh, researching getting into the basketball card market. Oh. And I've quickly realized it is way out of my price range. But <laughs> one thing I realized I could do was collect individual players. And looking at, like, the only thing that matters is rookie cards. That's all anyone cares about. Yeah. And looking at your potential options of, like, rookies that are still affordable to purchase but have some high upside. I really do think Baisley is like number one on that list. He could be. He's He's been good. No Poku? No Poku love over there? Uh, so, yes, I will be buying some Poku cards. But those the, <laughs> the cards for this season haven't really come out yet. Um, the, the first uh, drop is coming in a week. So that will be our okay. first like real Poku rookie card. I got an email from some card company that was oh, wanting really? me to help, to help promote yes, Poku's rookie card. I'll do it. Um, I told them. I, I sent them an email back. Said, "Hey, I will do it. You just need to send me some, oh like send me gosh. some cards." Yeah, send me some cards, please. So, please. so I'm I'm hopeful that they'll send me some cards. If they do, I'll I'll send some your way. Oh my god! Um, but I say, yeah, send me send me some Poku cards, and you got it. No, my my goal <laughs> is to be able to afford a box or it might just be packs of cards <laughs> and be able to open them on the the, the down to dunk youtube channel oh yeah i've got um i've got a ton of old cards like i have a ton of 92 93 cards in, oh, really? in my office yeah yeah that's that's like i've got a whole bag full of over <laughs> here of 90 cards from 1992 that's the best place to keep your cards in a bag <laughs> preserve <laughs> I do have Shaq. I have uh, four Shaq rookie cards that are like in great condition in Ooh. cases. Uh, but yeah, uh, anything else Thunderwise? Uh, Shea Gildas Alexander, are you worried? Are you concerned? Twenty nine percent from three. Mm, I, I will bring him up in my next sec- in our next section. Um, okay. But yeah, otherwise, you know that game against Miami, I feel like was the first game where it was, I was watching it as a tanking fan, meaning like when it was bench lineups, I was really just watching Teo. I was like, yeah. I, do I really need to watch the rest of these guys? Does it really matter? 
We need to watch the score even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I've started to change my watching habits. Like I, I can't watch this as a real game because inevitably it's going to, there's going to be too many blowouts. And yeah. we, we kind of got spoiled early. It's still early in the season, but those first couple games were just amazing games to watch. And this Miami game was the first one where it was like, okay, this is, I guess the Pelicans game was that way too. So, and yeah, it, it feels it like we're about to get more of those games. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of settling in. I'm changing my watching habits. <laughs> settling everybody. Yeah. You're going to have, if you're going to watch every game, you have to find other things to watch for. And maybe, maybe you're a big Kenny Hustle fan. Cause if you are, maybe. you're going to, you're going to get a lot. There was, we had, we ended the game in Miami with point Kenrich Williams. <laughs> yep. Which was, it's just a wild experience, which moving forward, it will be point Poku, which will be highly enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, that is the thing about this team. There's so many guys once, if everyone's healthy, there's always someone worth watching on the court, mm-hmm. which just yeah. makes it much easier viewing experience. Yep. Uh, let's go to the chat. See if there's any questions here. Uh, Miguel Devella wants to know: Is Teo a George Hill prototype? I think he's more of a guy that that can like run an offense. Like George Hill has never been a run the offense type of guy. He's more of like a small wing. But yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, hello from India. Wow. Uh, hello from Singapore, Brody Berman from Tulsa. Wow. Amazing. Uh, let's see if, if Dort finishes the season 45% from three, I think the podcast should officially change, be changed to down to Dort. I think we if he could finishes. Yeah. I mean, I'll commit to that right now because he's taking five a game, five. If he takes five a game and shoots 45% from three the whole season, which just means that this is one of the best shooting guards in the NBA, <laughs> then yes, we will change the name of our podcast to down to Dort. Because Dort, what is he? He's only, he's 21. If he can shoot, if he can do that, really, if he can be 35% from three, I'm not changing the name of our podcast, but that is massive for this team moving forward because uh, everybody's like, oh, Dort's kind of like another Robertson, another Tabo Cephalosha. Yeah, yeah, sure. But if he can shoot and he can already dribble better than both those guys, he's something way different than those than those guys. And Man. he's undrafted. And, that, and you know what, Andrew, going back to the card market, that means that there were not a lot of cards made of Lou Dort. Yeah. Because he was undrafted, so I've, I've been looking at those too. How, uh, but, I, but I don't know like what his true ceiling is. I mean, I think we've talked about like Marcus Smart as a ceiling for him, which would be incredible. Which would be crazy to get to get Marcus Smart off the scrap heap is wild because that's a guy the Celtics are like, yeah, we'll probably never trade him. It's too important to the team, and if the Thunder can have that guy. And you and I think you know Shea hasn't been great, but I have seen a willingness from Shea to try to involve everybody and to try to keep the ball moving and to find the right shot. 
I mean, if they could get Cade or Jalen Suggs or somebody like that to come right in and just be on this team, I think that they're a team that can really just take in whoever as like a guy that could be the main score of the team. And it's not going to be an issue, which I think is great. And I think they could easily be a really good, fun, young team with just adding one really good piece because the progress that we've seen from Baisley and Dort in particular makes you think, oh, okay. Like those are two role-playing type of guys that can play already. It is literally like the opposite of how the OKC Thunder experience started where they got like the three highest usage players they could possibly get in three straight drafts and tried to fit them together. Now we're like desperately li- like we'll, we'll take any and if someone wants to come shoot the ball, like come we'll on take, down. We'll take any one of those guys. I mean, if you yeah. added like a young Westbrook, Durant, Harden, just one of them yeah. to this team. Like, okay, you're ready to go. And they will be bad for another year, which is really good. Like, that's very good for this team. And the Thunder aren't going to do... Like, everybody's really excited about the Atlanta Hawks. It's wonderful. It's great. Trae Young has been awesome. The team has looked good. But if they just did what they did last year for one more year, and it's probably an ownership decision, that's fine, and they got a top five guy in this next draft, then, like, how excited would you be for the Hawks if they had one of those guys to add to this team? Yes, but I'm a. We should move to our next section because I'm going to talk about the Hawks. Okay. Okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. 
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's move on to our next section. Uh, so we are going to, you know, it's been what? Five games, seven games, seven games, eight games. Yeah. You know, and there are some things that we're already wanting to, we're already regretting. Things that we, uh, opinions we had in the preseason that we would like to retract if we could. <laughs> and so I asked Andrew to come up with two or three takes that he had literally two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that he would now like to completely abandon. And then also a couple takes that he is sticking by, even if it doesn't look great, or just ones that he wants to double down on. And I'm going to start with a take that I would like to retract, which is me and your opinion about the Atlanta Hawks. And you okay. might say, hey, look at the standings. They're, what, four and three? They're, but they're in the eighth seed right now. They're behind the New York Knicks. You know, has it really been that great? <laughs> and I would just say that, after watching a couple of their games, I actually do feel better about their long-term outlook. And one of the things we talked about in the preseason was how are you going to be able to play these young wings, these these guards you have, the Herder and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, when you're bringing in all these veterans. And what happened is that other guys just kind of got hurt. Like Gallo hasn't really played. Capella has barely played. Um, Onyeka hasn't played. And Yep. As a result, people like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish are still getting their normal amount of minutes, and I have been wildly impressed with DeAndre Hunter because he's been good. I was under the impression he was basically just going to be like a three and D guy as his as his ceiling, like a really good three and D guy. But he has been showing mm-hmm. a lot of other things this year, and he's been amazing. And that has given me a lot more hope about their long-term future because if one of those young guys, whether it's Reddish or Hunter or Herder, really becomes something, then what they did this offseason all of a sudden makes a lot more sense and you are not at, you don't feel like you've been missing out on whatever this next draft class is going to be. And so even though they're 4-3, and three, and that's kind of about where people thought they might end up kind of in that race for 8th, I actually am feeling better about the Hawks overall. Yeah. My question would be like, who's their second guy? Long term. Yeah, and, and we still don't know, but I feel like they have options. I mean, it's it, it would need to be it probably need to be Hunter or uh, uh, Cam. Cam, yeah. I mean, we, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still really like his potential. Uh, they just have too many guys to play Kong with this year, probably at all. Yeah, they, they probably just don't. Do. But like DeAndre Hunter right now is averaging 16 and 6.7 rebounds per game and two assists, which I just wouldn't have thought for him. Yeah. Based on what he's also like, he's also like Lou Dorting his three point shot and like like shooting way better than which we believe now, which we believe because we believe in Lou Dort. So we believe in DeAndre. (laughs) I think he's going to be a a good shooter, but he's not 48.6%. From three kind of shooter. Well, I really need so. I mean, he like he's probably like twelve and eight on the season with a couple assists, a steal, and a block. Like that's good. You know, like that's he's a good player. Like he's definitely a good player. I still wonder if if they want. I don't know what 
I don't know what the front office aspirations are for this team. I have no clue. But if it is to win a title, if, if Trey Young is your Steph Curry, like who's your Clay Thompson? I don't think that's. I don't think Cam Reddish can develop into that kind of guy. Right. Uh, and so, like that's that's my only reason to continue to question the, you know, bringing in Gallinari and bringing in Bogdanovich. Because I and both those guys are, you know, credit to them. They're coming off the bench. They're taking on a role. Like that's that's good. Like I'm glad that they're doing that. But still, I just wonder: Did you hit the fast forward button too early? Because if you could add an elite player next to Trey, who is a who is like a superstar player, that's there's no doubt in my mind that that's what. Trey Young is at this point. Like he's been very good. Trey, Trey's averages so far this season are outrageous, and he's not even shooting that well from three. 28.6 points per game, nine assists, four boards. He's been outrageous. And, and so and, I just, and I'm saying this because I just want the best for him, man. I just want the best for him, and I would like for Atlanta to have a good team. That's it. And maybe from their perspective, like they feel like they lucked out with Onyeka, and they have a really high ceiling for him. And in their mind, if one of these four guys hits, like they're going to be good. Yeah, they'll be good. I just they just won't be great, but they'll be good. But that's fine. On the other, on the flip side, like if these guys develop, and maybe not even develop into like a Clay Thompson type of of level of player, they are one of the teams that have has a lot of young assets who could potentially make a trade. Yeah, I mean that's that that would be. The way they get to the next level is if they trade, maybe, I mean, if you package like Gallinari and Rondo and even a Kongwu or Cam Reddish and some picks, maybe that's how you get there. And you trade for somebody. Maybe you trade for Bradley Beal. If you, tri- put, if you put Bradley Beal on this team yeah, that'd be great. and you keep, keep Hunter and you keep John Collins, like John Collins has been really good too. John Collins has been great. Um, but I don't know if they want to keep him. They didn't give him an extension. Yeah, and he's going to get... Somebody's going to pay him next summer. Yeah, he'll get paid. Uh, so what is your first take that you would like to uh, abandon? Uh, I also had my Hawks take that I would like to completely abandon. And it's... I'll go a little bit deeper. Is that I? Th- I said that the Bulls would be better than the Hawks, and so I'd like to completely abandon that. Do you feel any different though? Because the Bulls are now five hundred. We talked about it. Like- I watched. <laughs> yeah, I watched them last night. I watched that game. I watched the Blazers looked so horrible down the stretch of that game. I mean, Dame hit a crazy shot to to keep the game going, but uh, that. That Blazers team is highly disappointing so far. Um, and the Bulls are going to get it together, but they're not going to be better than the Hawks. Like they're, it's, it's great that they're 500. I think they're going to be a fine team. I think they could be a, even a play-in team, but um, I would love to retract that <laughs> because <laughs> one thing, uh, Garrett Temple is, is playing a huge role for them, a huge role for the Bulls. He was one of the big reasons why they're even in that game last night was that uh, he was hitting some shots. So, uh, retracted. Yeah, the Blazers uh, bringing in, bringing back Ennis Cantor and Carmelo really set them up for failure because... Oh, what are they doing? The whole like, plan is- was to bring Melo off the bench, which, fine, that's great. You finally convinced them to do it. 
but it sets up these canter mellow lineups that just like can't happen. You can't do it. And yet no. both of those guys think, and even the team probably thinks like we're going to be playing them at least 20 minutes per night. And so it's hard to avoid those type of lineups. And meanwhile, like Nurk has not looked great. He's definitely not looked like what he looked like in the bubble. Covington has had right. a really slow start. I'm yeah, I would be worried if I was a Blazers fan. I think they have the pieces that they need. Um, like I think Gary Trent Jr. is good, and I yeah. think Derek Jones Jr. has done a fine job in in the start his starting role. Um, so I think they have the pieces that they need to be a good team. But whether they get their lineups and rotations to the point that allows them to be good, I don't know. Just because there's so much like there's so much politics behind the Blazers lineup decisions going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to wave mellow, which means they're going to play mellow. No. And I just don't know how you solve that. You can't, <laughs> you can't, unless he's not on your team and they had, the, they had a chance. They did. They had a chance. Or, or just <laughs> like, don't target Cantor and just get oh like a gosh. really good defensive center, backup defensive center. Like a bring in Nerlens, bring in Nerlens. Pay pay yeah. him instead of Cantor. <sighs> okay, I probably should have done that. <laughs> my next take that I would like to abandon is how high I was on Toronto. And oh my man, so they are one in six currently, I believe. They're the one in five. One in five. Yeah, they are yeah. the second worst team, second worst record in the league, above only Detroit. And one of my takes was that uh one of the reasons they would be good is because they were in tampa bay they're they were basically existing in another bubble and so they'd be less susceptible to covid just because they're away from home so they're not going to be going out as much maybe and i should have had the exact opposite because we actually saw what happened with this toronto team when they were in a bubble and the stories that have come out since the bubble about siakam specifically and how much he struggled in the bubble due to just like bubble-related life, like having to be in that confined space and how much that affected his mental game. I should have known that, that those stories were out there because he is now in a very similar situation. And guess what? He's not having a great start to the season. Yeah. And so I think... Well, not only that, but the, the, the crowd, there is a crowd in Tampa Bay. They're a neutral crowd. Right, true. They're not. They're not Raptors fans. They were. They were chanting for Taco Fall the other night. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, I mean that's your. They're either on the road or they're at home. At at home, with fans that are chanting for Taco Fall. So, so in retrospect, this actually seems like I could have predicted this correctly. And then alongside that, Len and Baines have basically Dude. given them nothing. I mean they. Len has been better than Baines. He has. And and people, you know, uh, Zach Lowe was talking about it, how there were some executives who like, you know, what's the big deal with losing Serge Baca and Mark Saul? Just slot some more guys in there. Nick Nurse is going to figure it out. But, man, it feels like the drop-off has been way more than anyone expected. Right. Well, and Nurse, <laughs> I, he, I don't think anybody could have had, like, a higher opinion of a coach than Nick Nurse over, like, the past two years. But so far this year, he has been actively throwing every player that's not playing well under the bus to the media <laughs> after games. Yes, yes, he has. Which is, at this point, I think everybody's like, 
okay, like you can stop now. <laughs> leave, <laughs> leave the poor boys alone, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Because this doesn't seem to be helping them. And it's something that he got credit for in the past where he would just rip a guy in the media and then they'd improve. But uh, it's not, not happening so far for, for the Raptors. They're really, really struggling. Their offense is, is not thunder bad, but it's bad. Um, what is your next take that you would like to uh, abandon? I think I'd like to abandon like the. I think I had the Nets at the top of the East. I think I'd like to abandon that. Really? See, I could see that being. I didn't put it as one of mine, but I could see that being one that you're you're sticking with, simply because, like, they are good. We've seen them be very very good, and mm-hmm. I know the Dinwiddie injury like kind of threw a wrench into their whole season, but I still really like their depth even without Dinwiddie. They have lost a bunch of weird games. I mean, they lost to the Hawks. Um, I th- they lost what, what weird, what really weird team did they just lose to? Um, Was it the Bulls? But yeah, I, I get that. I feel like I could go either way with them right now because I do think they lost to the Wizards. Yes, they lost to the Wizards. That was it. <laughs> and they lost to the Hornets. Like, and to the Grizzlies. Maybe they are the team, kind of like the OKC three year, OK three year, where they're yeah. just going to have these lackluster performances against bad teams but then when they're on the big stage they're going to look really good maybe that's who they are yeah yeah and that's why i'm abandoning it because you see the lack of effort on nights where like all you have to do is show up and just try and you win like you show up against the hornets you win the thunder beat the hornets i mean my goodness you can you can do this kevin durant and kyrie irving I mean, Kyrie Irving just showed up last night and just destroyed the Jazz on his own. 130 to 96. Just dismantled them. And uh, you see the talent that they have, and they just didn't show up. I'm sure that, I mean, I'm really looking forward to uh, the Sixers game uh, tomorrow night. It's Sixers-Nets. Even without KD, it's a shame that Kevin's not in that game. But um, just to see and I think that they'll show up and who knows what will happen the Sixers have been very very good to start the season Uh, yeah I didn't put it as one of my like doubling down things but I talked about early preseason how I thought that starting lineup for the Sixers was going to be one of the best starting fives or just five-man units and it is with OKC as one of the five teams that have played over 100 minutes together that that starting unit and I think they're like a plus 14 already. <laughs> Player of the week, Tobias Harris. He's, he's been great. Yep. My, my cousin in Philly texts me after every oh, really? Sixers game. And it's always just about Tobias Harris. <laughs> Probably good or bad. Because he was he started off the season yeah, looking like lost. Every time, he, every time he has a good game, my cousin's like, who do you think we can trade Tobias <laughs> for? <laughs> Could we upgrade him the for? trouble with Tobias is his contract um, my, is so bad that whoever you would definitely get worse if you traded him, right? Yeah, because I, I yeah you're not bringing back equal value. You're not you're not bringing back no. neutral value. No. Um, my next take, Andrew. This is not necessarily about their over under specifically. It's more just about how I thought about this team. I think that I was wrong about the Pacers again, <laughs> again, two years in a row. I know. <laughs> and uh. it's been it's been a few different things. One, Oladipo looks a lot better than he looked even in the yes. bubble. Like like he is getting back to Oladipo. He's basically at twenty five and five right now. 
he's starting to look like himself. Brogdon is healthy, which wasn't the case last year for much of that year. And then Sabonis has just blown up. I mean, he is currently averaging 20, 11, and 7 assists per game. He has looked incredible. And meanwhile, Miles Turner, the guy who the Boston Celtics apparently did not want, he's averaging 3.6 blocks per game. And there are I've seen multiple smart, smart people on Twitter being like, is he a depoy candidate? Like, could Miles Turner be the defensive player of the year? It's like why did why did Boston not want him again? Dude, I don't know. Why did everyone why did everyone randomly get down on Miles Turner for like two months this summer? I don't know, man. And he's not even sh- so he's not even shooting it well yet either. And he'll shoot. He's only shooting. He's right. shooting twenty six percent from three. He'll he'll be better than that. A lot better than that. And so now when I look at their team, like that that four, and I'm leaving out T.J. Warren, who's now out for an extended period of time with injury, but that core four. Like you can put that up against most teams in the league, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I was just I was way off, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I was too. I didn't think Vic would be this again, and he's been really good. And Domas has has been unbelievable. He's he's <laughs> truly unbelievable. It's like amazing. I I can't believe that if I if I even had an inkling of this I would have taken him in fantasy. Yeah. Did you because did you see the end of the Pacers uh Pelicans game the other night? I don't think so. The Pelicans were up 6 at the end of the game and there was like I don't know 30 seconds left in the game and uh like Vic hits a 3 then they end up stealing the ball from Lonzo moving the ball around Miles Turner at the top of the key and he swishes a three to send the the game to overtime and then they end up winning in overtime mm. the pelicans just gave it up but there's there's a spirit about this indiana team that's uh that you just kind of have to believe in they've got their uh their new coach nate bjorkren it's really that's right yeah they have they have the new coach energy yeah so I don't know. I mean, I, when I look at some of the other East teams, it's hard not to feel way more confident about the Pacers right now because they do have that continuity oh. outside of their coach. But, like, all these players were the guys that were there last year, and for right now, everyone's healthy, and so it's looking really good. Yeah. Uh, I would like to retract my Boston Celtics take. Which I think was that you were just like, hey, it's the Celtics, Brad Stevens – shoe in for 50 plus wins or yeah i've had their over easy over and i honestly it's not their it, their record is very good they're five and three to start the season i just have no belief in their depth at all and i i believe in their top guys like jalen brown has been unbelievable so far at this season for them he's been so so good 26.9 points per game 4.6 boards, three assists, a steal, and half a block a game. He's been crazy good. But you get past Tatum Brown smart, and then, like, who else is on this team? Are you not into Peyton Pritchard? I mean, he is the darling of NBA Twitter. Peyton Pritchard has been fun. Yeah, not not super into it. I don't know if he's going to shoot 42% from three all year. Maybe he does. Maybe he, I mean, that would be great. This team, they have, I mean, they're starting Tristan Thompson and um, uh, Daniel Tice. Yeah. It's not great. And then when they shift, when they don't do that, they start Shemi Ojale. Like, oh, no. 
Oh, no. They desperately need Kemba back. And again, slot Miles Turner into this team. And I feel like you feel a lot different. Yeah. Without a doubt. Remember, they turned down Miles Turner so that they could get that huge TPE. They better do something with it. Like, if they better, they better better make a huge splash. And I just don't know that you're going to get somebody to give you a player as good as Miles Turner. Yeah. I'm. I don't know. They're. They just have no depth at all, and they need Kemba to be very good when he comes back. Um, I still think. That, I mean, they're obviously a playoff team. They're gonna. They're gonna make make the playoffs and maybe win around. But, um, I just don't. I don't know. I'm just not not there with them anymore. After watching them, this they they've won a lot of close games, which is great. But I think that winning a lot of close games in the regular season does say something about your team and their like ultimate destiny. So those are the takes that we want to abandon. However, we are still confident in a lot of our takes, okay? We, we made some good ones too. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about some ones that we are still confident in, even if it seems a little wishy-washy right now. And I, I'll start off with what something I alluded to earlier, which is SGA scoring. Okay. Because I tweeted out uh, that, that I think it was from Bet Online or whatever that they had a prop where you could take over under on Shea's points per game, and it was twenty one point five. And I felt like that at the time that was the easiest over. Yeah. How could you not take it? This guy's going to score twenty five points a game, <laughs> and he is currently scoring eighteen point seven points per game. Yeah. Despite that, I'm still. Confident now, I am less confident that he's going to average twenty-five per game, but I do think just with some improvement in his shooting, he is going to be able to get over twenty-one and a half. So I'm sticking to that, even though he is well below twenty-one and a half right now. Yeah, and when you do take George Hill off the team, someone has got to take the shots. Please. <laughs> Take them, Shay. Take them. He just hasn't been super willing to just be the guy to take over games. He's done it in spurts, but he hasn't. There hasn't been like a Shay game yet, which it's only been six games. There's a ton of time left, you know. But I, I'd like to see like a signature Shay Gildas Alexander game. I'd like to see it. Or as the th- or as yeah, Thunder broadcast says, Shay Gilgis Alexander. Like. I was thinking about this. What do you think, and I would have said something wildly different at the beginning, in the preseason, what do you think is going to be his high point total for this season? Like, what is going to be his best scoring game? <laughs> um, it's just really... Because before the season, I, I would have said he could easily have like a 40-point game. I know. It is... And now I don't know if I feel that way. After watching him, it seems difficult to imagine him scoring 40 points. <laughs> it does. Which isn't good. It just, I mean, it's fine. I mean, it just... it It's... I've never thought he was going to be the number one guy on this team. I just have never thought that. And he hasn't really given us any real indication that he could do that. But, you know, it's still early. It's still very, very early in the season. But um, I think it's a good one to double down on. But it turns out that maybe Vegas knew what they were talking about <laughs> with that one. Yeah, I know. Because it felt like, <laughs> these idiots. idiots, how good, how dare <laughs> them. 
Okay, so this is this is a f- one that is really funny. This there's a guy Nick Korok on Twitter tweets at me after every game uh, and lets me know how wrong I was about my take on this. But I'm I am gonna double down. Ooh, on this. Yes, on the yes, fact yes. that the Thunder will struggle from night to night to score 85 points in a game. <laughs> oh, and okay. It's only happened once so far. <laughs> but I do think when they trade George Hill, it's going to be like, oh, crap. Like there's like the space that we had with that starting lineup is not there anymore. Um, and so I think that I think that it will eventually come true. But he lets me know after every single game. <laughs> He tweets at me the same tweet, and it's it's pretty funny. Uh, I haven't acknowledged him yet at all on Twitter, but uh, I think it's pretty hilarious. He's he's he tweeted, "Did the Thunder struggle to score eighty five points? No. <laughs> Andrew Schlecht one. Thunder fans five. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. But I'm doubling down, sticking with it, standing by it, standing by that take. Man, their defense is going to have to get better than what it currently is. Because otherwise, if they really do drop to like the low 90s, high 80s per game, like we're talking about massive blowouts every night. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's where we could be headed. Just with the bench production, period. Because it just, everything just drops off a cliff where you're just like, oh, we don't have anybody that can do anything. Right. Uh, my next one is one that even when I said it, I wasn't like super confident. But now I've become more confident. And so even though I am aware that this could go badly for me, I'm doubling down on the Denver Nuggets under. Oh, oh, on the under. Okay. On the under. Because I picked their under, but to be perfectly honest, like I wasn't super confident in it. But the things that I was worried about, which were mainly this team wasn't that great in defense last year. I think Mm -hmm. they were 17th last year. They had a really good offense. They got rid of a lot of the guys that you would think would be good defensive players. Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, Torrey Craig. And they replaced them with guys like uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Compasso. Oh. And mm-hmm. all these guys that you don't necessarily think of as defensive stalwarts. And as a result, they are now bottom three in the league in defense down there with the Portland Trailblazers. And I really do think that is going to hinder their season total because I just don't know how much better they can get defensively like I can see it with Portland because Portland does have good defensive players and if they just change their rotations a little bit I think they could make it work and get to like that 17 range whereas with the Nuggets I'm like what is their path to get to be a league average defense right now I don't know what it is because you have to play Michael Porter Jr. a ton of minutes you have to play Jamal Murray a ton of minutes Gary mm-hmm. Harris has not been the player he was in the bubble. And so Mm-mm. I don't know what they do to boost their defense. And if that's the case, how good can they be with a bottom 10 defense? I think they can be great. I think oh. their offense is going to get better. And I'm doubling down on my the Nuggets are going to be awesome. Take. No. Was that one of yours? <laughs> yeah. Fine. The Nuggets will be our biggest. Uh, we'll just we'll follow it through the year. Maybe we'll bet some Poku rookie cards on it. Okay, okay. Porter has been really good for them. Like, really, really good. Yeah, bottom three defense, good. 
19 and a half points per game, six and a half boards, 1.8 assists, a steal, and one and a half blocks per game. That's a stat sheet stuffer, man. Don't care. Don't care. He's not stuffing the win columns. <laughs> he's really, he's not. <laughs> but it definitely makes you because there's a lot of players that get a lot of hype that don't play a lot for teams, and it feels like not. I mean, definitely not every player can do what Porter's doing this year, and like show that he's a worthwhile player. And like all the hype was, uh, it was worth it. I I agree, although. I still wonder, like, what is his true ceiling? Like, I do think he could be an all-star. But, like, is he the best fit for this current Nuggets team that is going to be built around Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic? Could they potentially – because I do think he is – Michael Porter Jr. has turned into, like, a blue-chip asset. And if they ever wanted to upgrade anywhere, like, Michael Porter Jr. is easy. And I'm not talking about James Harden because I I don't necessarily think that makes sense for Denver. But if a – another star player that maybe fit with their other two stars better became available. Yeah. Someone like Beal, would you do it? And I don't know. Like it, it all depends on, again, I think Michael Porter Jr. can be an all-star, but is he going to be the guy who is like the second or first best player on a championship team? I don't know. He's only 22. And he's too old. He's too old. (laughs) Too old my book. (laughs) Should have done something before now. Uh, my last take that I am doubling down on, even though it's not looking great right now, is I am standing strong with my Knicks under pick. Okay. I hate the Knicks. <laughs> and they have so much hype right now. People are loving yep. it. They're four and three. They yep. are the fifth seed. The playoffs started today, Andrew. They would be playing the Boston Celtics. Amazing. They've been getting literal all-star play from Julius Randle. Julius Randle mm-hmm. is going to be an all-star if he plays like this. R.J. Barrett has looked great. They are playing really tough, and Thibodeau has done a great job so far. I just look at that roster, and I still think to myself, this is a terrible roster, and it's going to show itself before too long. And so it's great for them that they're doing so well, but I look at that roster, and I do not see a 500 team. I see a significantly below 500 team. And one of the clues, which uh, Zach Lowe brought up on his podcast with uh, Richard Jefferson, was that other teams are shooting really poorly in the paint against the Knicks, and they're also shooting mm-hmm. really poorly from three. And he was, he was giving that as an example of those could be two signs that what we're seeing right now isn't totally real. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important because right now they're like a top – eight defense in the league. I don't necessarily think that's going to hold. Again, they have like Alfred Payton running their offense. I don't think their offense is going to be great this year. And Thibodeau offenses traditionally haven't been like his strength. So I am sticking with my Knicks underpick. I still think they're going to be bad. Yeah, I think I think you're safe with that one, honestly. Well, I don't you know. know. Think- There's so much. People are so excited. Yeah, this happens every year with some team. Every single year with some team. I mean, Randall. Randall's been unreal. Twenty-two points, eleven and a half boards, seven and a half assists per game. Those are better than Sabonis' stats. Yeah, they are. He's crushing. 
He is absolutely crushing, and he's shooting 40% from three on almost four attempts per game. He's almost taking as many threes as the Thunder did total with their starting lineup <laughs> with Kevin Durant here how, how on his own. Possible? I don't know, man. It's so wild. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, okay, my final take that I'm going to double down on is that I still think Golden State's going to be a playoff team. And I think they're going to be fine. Okay, so you you did take their over. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm doubling down. It is truly wild how adding in a player like Draymond Green to that team, who I think had a game where he scored one point, he had another game where he scored six points, Yeah, but it just completely changed the trajectory of their season because prior to him coming back... It, it was bad. It was really bad. And part of that was Kelly Oubre, who we all know very well, who could, yep. could not hit a three. He has started mm-hmm. to play just normally again. And I think having Draymond come back took some of the pressure off of Wiggins as well to, mm-hmm. to be a playmaker, which he's really not. And so, yeah, I, I am things are looking up for the Warriors. I also think uh, James Weissman has looked pretty good. Um, yeah. He's still playing limited minutes, but he does not look like he's going to be like a huge sap to their potential to win this season, like mm-hmm. a lot of rookies would be. So, yeah, I, I am definitely feeling better about the Warriors. Currently, Andrew, I believe that the Warriors are in the top 10 in terms of record, <laughs> which isn't really hard to do right now, but they are four and three. But, but Hope uh, is alive. Hope is alive for that pick. And if we could, Hope is alive if we could this get morning. that pick, now we're talking about three first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Mm, <laughs> that would be so great. Yeah, right now. And the Warriors want to be good. That's the thing. Like they, yeah. they really do not want to be an embarrassment. They don't. They don't want to tank this year. They don't want to at all. Yeah, right now in Tankathon, Golden State is in the pick twenty-two position. Amazing after how they started it's, the season. Unbelievable. What's the protection on the Minnesota pick? It is top three, which I think is really interesting because you would have think they would have done top four because now you can jump up into the top four. But they did top yeah. three, which gives the Warriors some hope that even if Minnesota moves up, they could still be the fourth pick, which would be amazing for them. The Wolves are so bad, man. They are, and this is what happened last year. Like They got off to a good start, and then Cat got hurt, and everything fell apart. And they had a chance to win last night against the Nuggets after looking absolutely terrible in the first quarter. Um, mm-hmm. But they blew it. And I don't know what they do either. They like they have to – everything has to go right for them in order to be like the 10th or 9th best team in the West. Like they need everyone firing on all cylinders just to reach that point. If you take Cat out of the equation, like they could be – they're going to be challenging with the Thunder. Yeah, they are. They're going to be bad for they're going to be bad forever. I'm just forever. convinced. Forever. Forever. They traded they traded that pick for for what? To help they didn't I mean, it's such that was the D'Angelo Russell trade. If they lose this pick and it's like the 5th pick in the draft, it may be one of the most debilitating trades for a franchise ever. I mean, it's it is truly horrible and then you're like just giving the warriors like another building block 
and, and I do think you have to factor in Wiggins' contract into that because they did get rid of that contract, which now is, I mean, good luck moving that, Warriors. But yeah, that asset is, it, I mean, it's the best outstanding pick right now in the league. Yeah. Next to what might, next to maybe the, the pick swap for Houston for this next draft. I know. Actually, while we were talking, I did Tankathon. I simmed the lottery, and Houston jumped into the top four three straight times. <laughs> oh, no. I know. It's bad. <laughs> it's going to get scary. It's going to get really scary. I'm, I'm terrified of lottery night. Oh, they just jumped in the top four for me, too. Oh, my gosh. This is bad. We got to start talking more positively about Houston. Oh, I just I just got the uh, the golden one where the Thunder keep their own pick, but but it's the ninth pick. And then Miami jumped up to the number one pick. Oh, yeah, because Miami is at 500 right now. Hey, we were right about Miami so far. We were we were down on Miami. Well, you know, that has been like. The, that was the big story in the basketball card world over the last few months is that Tyler Hero's rookie cards like shot through the roof during the yeah. bubble. And, you know, personally, I think that that is a sign that like a lot of people who aren't huge basketball fans are in this hobby. Because like even if I was really high on Tyler Hero, like I still wouldn't value his rookie card in the way like I would value like a Ja Morant or a Zion Williamson. And the yeah. prices, the prices yeah. went insane. And really, and now like watching that team and watching him, like it's not bubble Tyler hero. No, like he looks like not. he's going to be a good player, but like, I don't know what people thought his ceiling was going to be. I don't know. Uh, this is here's a here's an ideal one. The Thunder assume the lottery on Tankathon. Thunder get the second pick and the eighth pick. That would be beautiful. And the twenty second pick. So in that scenario, you probably get Mobley. <laughs> you get Mobley at the two. Oh, dude! I and I've said this. I feel might say this on every podcast I do all year. Is I would freak out if they got Evan Mobley. He's. I'd lose it. He's really impressive. The, the things he does at his height, you just don't see. They don't You just happen. don't. No. They, it would be unbelievable if they could get Evan Mobley. And I know everybody's everybody's fading for Cade. Everybody's excited for Cade. I would be very pumped and jacked if they got Cade Cunningham. I think he'll probably be the best player in the draft. But like just how weird and quirky your team would be <laughs> if you had Shea, Evan Mobley, Baisley, Poku, Dort. Yeah, that like so that'd almost be three seven footers yeah. on the court. I'd, I said this on Monday and I'll probably like I said, I'll say this all year. I would watch every game five or six times of the Thunder. They, just like in awe of like what they could do. They could do that thing. I remember when Frank Vogel was the coach of the Pacers at like their first practice together. This is back with the Paul George Pacers. He had them line up across the court, touching fingertips, showing them that they could, ex- they had the wingspan to extend across the entire court. I think OKC in that scenario could do it the other way. Like go basket to basket, <laughs> extending their fingertips. I don't doubt it. That's, uh, oh man, that's hilarious. That's a good, that's a, that's a good callback. <laughs> yeah, I would, and then they would be bad again. I mean, they would undoubtedly be bad again, and then you'd have another shot in twenty-two to get a real like another top-five pick. Um, 
Because I'm just not, I wouldn't be convinced the Thunder would be horrible if they got Cade. Um, I don't, I think they could be, I don't know that they would make the plan, but I think they were, we would have conversations about them making the plan. Yeah, because I just don't, he, he I don't is, know if I'm ready for that. He is potentially one of those guys, although, I mean, Luca's first year and, and Trey Young's first couple of years, even though those were really high usage players, it didn't necessarily translate to wins. That's true. So that's true. It's possible, although the surrounding talent would be significantly better than those early Hawks teams or say, early like Mavs he, teams. They, right. They've already got a, they've already have a number two in Shea. Right. That's like ready to go. Experience can kind of show him the way. And an, and we have a number three and a number four. Yeah. Mason Dort. I know. I know. Sam has done a good job so far. Um, it's. And I know that like watching night to night is not going to be easy, but you have to see the vision and what's ahead. Because if you do, there's no way you can't be excited about this team and what they could do. Because if they do end up with the third pick and the ninth pick or whatever in the draft, and just you just add those guys on top of what we have now, it's the the possibilities are going to be outrageous for this team and the fact that we own Houston's future picks which dude like when they I don't know what they'll get for Harden I don't know what the deal will be ultimately but this could just be such a blah Houston team for a long time yeah going back to uh you know letting people know it's not you know having to watch this team night after night it sounds like a lot of people aren't even able to do that right now in Oklahoma City (laughs) I know. Which is making it even I know. easier. It is. Yeah. It's yeah, the fact that you can't even you can't go to the arena, you can't watch it at home. <laughs> they do not want Sheesh. you to see what's happening. Do not do, do not look. Look away, Thunder fans. Look away. <laughs> oh man. Uh, thanks for so much for listening to our podcast. Thanks for following along. We appreciate you guys. Uh, be sure to leave us a five star Apple Podcast review. Uh, that would mean a lot to us if you would just take the time to do that. If you have an iPhone, it's very, very easy. You click the Purple Podcast app, search down to dunk, hit five stars, boom, you are done. If you leave us a message, I read all of those as well, so I would appreciate that. I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.